I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. In my heart, I have a We're not doing the disclaimer. I think we should for this show. And now I'll welcome everyone to Greetings from Beyond Radio. And I'll also welcome back Vicky from her hiatus from Wi-Fi. Hi, Vicky. Yes, Vicky and AT&T are back. Yeah, freaking AT&T, you gotta love them. Actually, I came in today and something had happened with the box. So the whole thing, re- I, yesterday I got the computer, I put in the new password, I did the whole thing, make sure it was going to be a problem. I come home, I look at my phone, it's not automatically connecting. Somehow it all got knocked out again. I had to redo all the information, had to wake up my son from a sound sleep, which was not pretty for him to <laughs> help me with some of this. But long story short, too late for that. Here I am. And thank God for that. Uh, we missed you last week. Uh Jen and I held the fort. We knew what you were going through because we had gone through it, what, three, four weeks ago where all of a sudden the whole internet on our end was out. Uh, but these things happen, so you just got to bounce back. Um, so real quick, uh, you can hear us and also see us, most importantly, on YouTube. Go to YouTube, Greetings from Beyond Radio, and subscribe there so you can watch the show. If you just want to listen to us, you can always listen to us on Spotify, Facebook, YouTube. You can see us and hear us there. iHeart Radio, the Paralanx, Amazon Music, Podcast Index, Samsung Podcast, Listen Notes, Apple Podcast, if you have an Apple, and Pandora. Um, and for some reason, I can't see the other picture there, but there's, I think it's Google, uh, if anything, or Samsung, something like that. But either way, on all those podcast platforms, you can listen to us and, you know, please take the time to subscribe to our YouTube channel, sit down, watch us, and you also get to see all the video and also the the pictures that we post along with every single one of the subject matters that we discuss today. We Wait, have... I got to stop you before we go on. You realize you did a Shatner a minute ago. You did. did a... I? I, I do that. You know, it's funny when I was filming the show, <laughs> when I was filming the show, uh, well, 2021, late 2021. And even for the pickup shoots, I, I, I started getting um, accused of that. So I made a joke of it. I was like, you know, Maybe. But you did the thing with your hands. 
he did he I, I don't remember him doing anything with his hands i just remember the pauses but i do do the pause from time to time i don't mind well i'm a i'm a william shatner fan but i am a spock fan you know leonard nimoy may he rest in peace uh he 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 was one of the best um but yeah it's a compliment i don't take it as an insult either way uh it was it was I, meant as simply an observation and, and you know he's he and one other, I believe, uh, Sulu, the 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 gentleman that played Sulu, uh, are the only ones still alive from the original Star Trek. It's a shame. Uh, those were very very formative years in my life, watching Star Trek and and anything sci-fi, and of course, In Search of, which you all know, Leonard Nimoy was host of. But I digress. We have with us today. Yvonne Mason. She is a well-known author and she is one of those individuals that has written books. Uh, this is just one of them and this is one of the ones that we will be discussing today. That being said, um, we're also going to be discussing Gerard Schaefer, uh, the well-known, um, how can I put it, serial killer of Florida back in the the early 70s and let me tell you this guy was bad i mean bad news um uh, and who better to discuss this guy this maniacal killer look at that picture my god i mean seriously you just got arrested and you're smiling and believe it or not he's still making the news in june of 2022 they actually identified a finally after all these years the body of a young girl who had been a Jane Doe all these years since her body was found. And um, they believe that she was yet another victim of Gerard Schaefer. And look at how many years that's been. You know, let, let's bring Yvonne Mason onto the show uh, so that we can discuss this in detail. So let's welcome Yvonne Mason to Greetings from Beyond Radio. Yvonne. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi Yvonne. So, as you saw, I'm sure, uh, that mugshot of Mr. Schaefer, and, and I, I, I cringe at just calling him Mr. because that identifies him with the human race. Uh, the things he did were things that you would hear of in a monster novel, movie, something to that effect. This man had no scruples whatsoever with what he did. In fact, he, he got a kick out of it. Uh, from what I understand, he got started in um, uh, Wisconsin. That's where he was born, correct? It's where he was born. The earliest that we hear of him being evil was when he was 12 years old in Georgia. His family moved to Georgia because his father was a traveling salesman for Kimberly Clark. And that's where he started killing and torturing small animals there's that pattern yes it, it's i i've seen it so many times um jeffrey dahmer got started like that and i've i've read articles i've read uh books i've seen the netflix movie on him he wasn't really abused physically abused but there was emotional I guess you could say uh, torture in the sense the the way he perceived his mother and father divorcing. 
was the end of something. And now Schaefer, it's the same thing. There really was no physical abuse. There was emotional abuse because his father was an alcoholic. His father was an alcoholic, but what was even more strange is he always said that he was the product of a forced marriage. And it leads me to believe that his mother probably got pregnant before they got married. And back in the day, you know, you got married if you got pregnant. And when his father traveled, this is not in the book. But it is something that I found out and I could not collaborate it. So it did not go in the book. Right. But according to the sources that I have talked to, he slept with his mother until he was 13 or 14 years old. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You mean just sleep in the the same bed? Well, who knows? And Vicky, tag team, you're it. You take this because this is already getting disturbing for me. Yeah, well, it does mention in different articles that he was close to his mother. Very. Um, very, obviously. But, you know, the thing is, um, there's a lot of people, there's even celebrities who, you know, openly say that, you know, their children still sleep in the bed with them. Some are mothers with their sons. What is it that you think turns a person from what could be a very innocent, loving relationship into the diabolical killer that he became. To begin with, I because my back my degree is criminal justice with a background in psychology, this person was born with absolutely no conscience. And if and you when you study killers, serial killers in particular, they're psyche as one of no conscience because they have no remorse. They have no feeling of, I did a bad thing. They're narcissistic sociopaths. So they, they really believe what they did was a good thing. So with the way that he felt about his father and the way that he felt about his mother and the fact that his mother was left alone a lot because the father traveled, that may have eaten away at the already screwed up brain that this person had. And he had a younger sister later on in life. His mother and father had another child. She appears for all intents and purposes to be basically sound. But Schaefer, he went off the rails young and never came back. Do you think there was any kind of major, what what was the age gap between him and his younger sister? I think there's four or five years. Okay. That's not too bad. So yeah, no. it's not huge. Yeah. It's not a huge gap. But you know, uh, what I find fascinating is uh, usually, uh, you, you'll see this with serial killers, uh, uh, some form of dysfunctional uh, family situation. And uh, in I saw this in in Theodore Bundy, uh, which I prefer to call him Theodore because, quite frankly, to be named Theodore is an embarrassment. But, you know, what he did, um, it's just my way of jabbing uh, the individual, had a dysfunctional relationship with his mother. Um, Schaefer had a dysfunctional relationship with his father and his mother. Um, And also uh, Dahmer. As well, and I'm sure if we were to look back at every single one of them, they all started off 
with their perception because notice this is not a family business uh there were in other situations siblings why didn't they do the same thing as the one that became the serial infamous killer and i often wonder is there a mental illness involved is there some some way of their perception that just separated them from the pack i go back to what i said before the those people that commit those crimes have no sense of right or well i take that back let me back up in the the world they live in mm -hmm. their reality is fact and they firmly believe based on what they perceive other people how they perceive other people to treat them especially in schaefer's case women how they perceive to be treated by by doing what they do it's really okay you know well didn't he yeah. didn't he divide women up into virgins and whores isn't yes. that how he categorized he them yes yeah so that fueled that as well that fuel and and he he really wanted to save the whores from themselves he he was saving them they they were better off dead because they were never going to be any better and, and i i also discovered you know as as i was reading up on this individual but of course usually back then this is how hitchhikers traveled they traveled in in twos yes uh so all his victims a lot of the victims were in twos in twos and did he consider the hitchhikers to be the whores, the sinners, the ones that should be, uh, you know, somehow punished for Absolutely. hitchhiking. Absolutely. But, because he, he hmm. felt like that if they were out hitchhiking, that they were going to give their bodies away to men and, and good girls just didn't do that. I see. I see. So it was his own sense of justice that he applied and pushed onto these unassuming victims. But back in the 70s, much like what we were discussing backstage before we went live, was there was an innocence. I mean, th th this was fresh into the hippie era. Uh, hitchhiking was a very, you know, expected thing back in the day to get from one place to the other. He took advantage of it, much like a predator would. He did. And he took advantage of his profession before he was a cop. He had gone to seminary school to be a priest. Really? He had gone to college to be a teacher. I know that, yes. But he had also gone to seminary school to be a priest. And sem the the uh, officials of the seminary school said, oh, no, uh, uh, you, no, no, <laughs> not happening, Captain. No, go, please go away now. But in, in all the rejection that he got, because in his mind, he was greater than he really was. All that built up and it had to, it was like a, a silent volcano waiting to explode and it had to go somewhere. Uh, we, we have one of our regular listeners on Eileen Jones. I don't think Dahmer meant to kill the man in the hotel. Um, I, I don't recall that, but to be honest with you, you know, uh, Eileen and hello, Eileen, by the way, hello, Sean um and vernon uh thank you for welcoming or, or thank you for coming on and welcoming vicky back and and our guest as well uh we we 
there there has to be triggers to these individuals, these serial killers. And with Gerard, what would you say would be the trigger? Him just seeing hitchhikers or did he stalk certain women? He did. As okay. a matter of fact, when he first started, this was after Ocala National Forest. Okay. He, there was a girl that lived across the street from from him. Her name was was Leanne Bundy's. And last name again, please. Bundy's Leanne huh? Bundy's, and okay. he wanted to date her, and she would not date him. So he would hide in the bushes and watch her undress. And she was on a second in the, on the second floor of her house. Watch her undress at night to get ready for bed. And he was very disturbed about this. He was offended because she was showing herself and she was, she was whoring herself through the window. So he killed her. How old was he? He was in his twenties. Yeah. And he had a girlfriend at the time. Yes. And he had even mentioned to the girlfriend, oh, she's purposely undressing in front of me so I can see. I know she's doing it on purpose. And he told his girlfriend at the time that I'm going to take care of this. He did. I'm going to take care of her. It's disturbing to know that this this thing, I'm not going to call him a man, uh, went to school, became a geography teacher, and... Um, he got fired eventually from that took a, I guess his world trip went yep. to Africa and all that stuff, Australia. Allegedly. Well. See, we oh. have no, we have no solid information. He says he did that. Now, now we're not sure if that was yet another um, of his travels in his own mind. <laughs> it's truth <laughs> is he knew it because he wrote a lot of things Yes. So he lived, he lived in his, he was basically living his, his uh, fantasies and yes. then, you know, acted them out later on. It's just oh, in, yeah. a, in a very sick way. And what we were discussing before the show even aired, he was a sloppy killer. He was a sloppy killer. Very sloppy. And Vicky, but in his own mind, he was perfect. Yeah, I know. But you don't go and, and say hi to the mom, to the kid that you're about to, you know, kill and then have her identify you when your kid goes, when the kid goes missing. That's stupid. That's sloppy. So, well, I don't think in his mind, I think to a certain degree, he didn't think he was going to get caught. Exactly. I, he was very, very, excuse the expression, cocky. He thought he was smarter than other people. So I don't think he even worried too much about identification and things like that because he's like, oh, they'll never put the pieces together. You know, Yvonne, what 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 I found to be fascinating, and they they state that this was the first time he attempted to kill, and I I don't I don't believe that to be true, um, but the two girls that he promised to take to some beach, um, and he picked them up first as a police officer the second time he had them meet him at a uh at a location he was dressed in a civvies he had i think it was his car i'm not sure yeah it was, his personal car. it was his first or it was his personal car okay so then he took them but he went off the beaten path 
right. took them, tied them up, and then he got called in by his uh, by by his uh, the police. Right. He needed to go in. You're not going to go anywhere. I'll be right back. That's when they escaped. Those now, two escaped. In fact, that was his last two victims. Really? Yes. Again, sloppy. Okay. And what had happened, he had already gotten caught for something else. Really? I thought that's when he first got caught. Well, it, it was... No, I take that back. That was not his last two victims. That was his next to last two victims. Okay. Because his last two victims, he he killed them after he got out of jail the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, in other words, when he was when he was uh sent to jail for, for battery, and the judge gave him three months, I think. And and he asked, no, he hadn't even gone to jail. He asked for time to get his life together from December to, I think, September to January and get his wife down to Fort Lauderdale to his mother-in-law's and get his affairs in order. So in between that time and going to jail to serve time for those two girls that got away, he killed two more girls. And, and, uh, Vicky, you, you stated that they may have found recently uh, a victim, yeah. one of many that Schaefer had left behind. Well, they found her in 74 is when they actually found the remains of what they now have identified as Susan Poole. So she was a Jane Doe all these years since her body was discovered in 74. But through technology and things like that, they were able to basically, it's my understanding they did a recruit, you know, when they create the face and what they could have looked like. And that aided in the identification to confirm that it was Susan Poole that they found. So um, it's just, I wonder how many years we're going to keep hearing about Schaefer and finding those positive IDs. How many victims, Yvonne, do you think he actually killed? He killed about 35. But was only convicted of two. two. And that was the two that were found on South Hutchinson Island. And the only reason that they convicted him on that, it was all circumstantial. He was still serving the 90 days for the two that got away. Mm. And they were able to keep him in jail because when the the two bodies were found and and my husband's team went out to investigate they immediately went and got search warrants for Schaefer's mother's house and Schaefer's apartment and they found all the evidence at Schaefer's mother's house all the trophies but they couldn't identify which trophies belonged to who but they found teeth that belonged to the two victims at South Hutchinson Island I, 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 you see this, this is what I meant. <laughs> I, uh, it's a good thing. I don't eat breakfast because I'm here brushing up on all of my <laughs> research in the morning. I'm like, uh, okay. And, and we're not going to get into that because quite frankly, this is, it's not that it's a PG 13 type show, but we do have the disclaimer to begin with. Uh, our producer just uh, graciously put up girls bones found on singer Island and they actually connected this to Schaefer. Um, 
I, I wonder. Well, not conclusively. Said, this is it, this, I believe, is the picture of Susan Poole. Yes. And they are speculating. The speculating. That she was a vic victim. But they. They must yeah. have enough evidence. And by the way, since we do have this and we can do a public service right now for anybody who is watching, they are still looking. Palm Beach County Police Department are still looking. Sheriff's Department are looking for anybody who has information about the last few hours or days of Susan Poole's life. Um, mm -hmm. If there's anybody still out there who might have been friends with her, who might have known where she was going, what she was doing, anybody that she might have been seen with. Um, she would have disappeared um, like two years before, I think, around Christmas time, like 1972. So if that's, that's when he was getting yep. ready to go back. He was getting ready to serve those 90 days. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so if anybody has any information related to this particular victim or any other people that you think might be a victim of Gerard Schaefer, please contact the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Department. So, Yvonne, you really believe this started way before he got to Florida and in Georgia, correct? Yes, yes. All right. Uh, and what would you say really would be the trigger in a situation like, because I'm, I'm, I'm here, the more we talk about this, I start thinking of psycho and um, I forgot the name of the character. Anthony Perkins is and, um, was the actor and Norman Bates was the character. Norman Bates, thank you. And, and the relationship he had with his mother is what spurred him on into having this dual personality it was you know split personalities disorder where he since his mother passed away he he took over uh but his mother had not passed away when all of this was happening correct she was still alive yeah. she in fact she was in the courtroom when he was sentenced and even after he was sentenced she swore up and down he didn't do it even with all the evidence and even with all the evidence and it was all circumstantial evidence but there was enough circumstantial evidence to put him away but she swore up and down that he was as innocent as a newborn babe you know that back then i'm assuming i'm assuming and i hate to assume but they didn't have the dna type technology that we have today no they did uh, not if if anything they had dental records they had fingerprinting uh, but they didn't go as far as checking for the blood, DNA, saliva. I don't know if that was available back then. That in itself would have solved, and today could still solve, a lot of these missing bodies that are now found um, to see if they actually... It would, be, it would be bone DNA because mm -hmm. the only way that um, the girls on Hutchinson Island were identified you got to remember here in Florida, you can go and decomp in about seven days. There'll yeah, be nothing true. left Yeah, between the wildlife and the heat and the humidity and the rain and, and all that goes on in this state. When, when they found Susan and her friend, there was nothing but bone. Now, sometimes they can pull DNA from bone if it's not to decomp. They have done it before, but there would be no body to recover any saliva or blood or anything else. And and these bones that they're finding, these these remains that they're finding is nothing but bone and maybe a skull. So you got to also remember 
he only put them in shallow graves. So wildlife's going to dig it up and scatter the bones. Yes. That's what happened on Hutchinson Island. In fact, uh, from my understanding, the way he would finally kill them is by a, a blow to the head, uh, a, a fatal blow, of course. And then he would eventually, and, and this is going to get graphic. So if there's any children around, please, you know, block their ears. But even after they were dead, he would go back and have sexual relations with the, with the body, which is disgusting. Uh, but also to leave them there to rot after they've, they've died for so long and come back. The things I read up on him, which were not in your book, they were in, in other sources, stated that he had this, this um, other than necrophilia, he had this fascination with seeing them de decompose. He would sit there and watch them decompose. And he also enjoyed um, torturing himself. As yes, well. he was. He was into he he. Again, if there's any children in the room, even 18 year olds, they might want to go away. Yeah, because what I am about to say is rich is probably going to make you sick to your stomach. All right. Left, I'm going to put this down. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> he he in order to get sexual gratification for himself. He would hang himself wearing women's clothes until he passed out and ejaculated. Wow. All right. Sounds a lot like, uh, what was his name? Buffalo Bill in uh, Silence of the Lambs. He he liked to dress up like the woman. He'd use actually their skin, although that's the only difference there. And uh, he felt like he wanted to be them, the victim. He wanted to be a woman. And... Uh, there seems to be, I'm surprised that in, they they actually greenlit him to not claim uh, to be insane because this is insanity. Every time I, I hear you say it or Vicky mentions it or I read more about this thing, I don't even want to call him a man. This is insanity and I cannot fathom how this was perceived by the mental psychiatric community to actually think that he was sane enough to actually stand trial. But I'm, I'm actually happy. They said, Oh yeah, he can stand trial because he met his fate there. Well, Ironic. Yvonne, what, what was the process back then to determine insanity? Well, after Schaefer was formally charged for the murder of the two girls, his defense attorney had him committed to Chattahoochee, which is the, the mental facility here in Florida, had him committed to Chattahoochee. And Chattahoochee basically said, yeah, well, he's got some problems. <laughs> you think? However, and of course, the prosecutor jumped on that and said, well, he might have problems, but these problems led to murder. And the jury agreed. It didn't take him but 45 minutes to convict him. Unbelievable. Now, surprisingly, Schaefer actually was married twice. What can you yeah. tell us about his two wives? The first wife didn't last long. She left him. The second wife was still married to him when he was on trial. And again, according to my sources, and this is not in the book either, but according to the sources 
that I have, which were law enforcement or officers, which were involved in this, he would, he would make his wife lay down on the tile floor in the bathroom and get completely cold with no clothes on before he would have relations with her. What does uh, that tell you? Yeah. Oh, okay. And the second wife actually played a part oh. when it came to some evidence too, didn't she? Yeah. When they were in court, she swore up and down that he had given her a purse that belonged to one of the victims that he had given her that to given her that for her birthday, but it was really one of the victims trophies that he had, but he had convinced her and his mother to testify that, that, yeah, that was a gift. You know, it's funny. I was asked years ago, if, if you could get into the mind of anyone, you know, famous, not famous, doesn't matter. And I almost said serial killer because it's fascinated me for many, many years. But, you know, after reading what I've had to read snippets from your book and uh, from other sources, I don't think I want to go there. And very much like what I told you this morning. I've been a paranormal investigator and and also a demonologist for well over 30 years now and i'm more afraid of the dead than i am of the than actually i'm more afraid of the living than i am of the dead because you can deal with the symptomatic situations that happen with the dead but the living are the ones that actually have this deranged way of thinking now vicky may have shared this with you or not i'm not sure but she feels she may have come across years ago the spirit of one of his victims she yes yeah, she did share that with me actually yeah. um more than once uh, it was the recent encounter that is why i thought of yvonne which i knew of from years ago um one of my team members Jennifer Keys had reached mm -hmm. out to Yvonne and had talked to her about her book and was getting more information on Schaefer. And um, what happened was the most recent one was I was at a reading and it was time for the last person to be read who happened to be the homeowner. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden this female spirit walks into the room and I describe her to the homeowner and she's like, I don't know who that is. And all of a sudden I said, Oh my God, I think she's a victim of Schaefer. That just popped into my head that that's who she was. So I said to the homeowner, I said, uh, you may not know who this is, but there's a serial killer, um, Gerard Schaefer. She goes, I read the book. And I said, Yvonne Mason's book. She goes, yeah, that was it. Um, so she had read your book. So it just seemed like everything had just kind of lined up to where I really felt the need to reach out to Yvonne. And um, to try to get her on the show to talk about this, you are a staunch, how do I want to say it? You are really a champion for these victims. I am. And you call them your girls. Can you, can you tell us more about the connection that you've made with these victims? When I first moved to Florida, Jack was taking me around the area and we were over on Hutchinson Island and he said, Yvonne, right over there is where the 19th Judicial Circuit, which he helped form, had their first major crime investigation. Now, my husband was the lead investigator for the 19th Judicial Circuit. He helped form that circuit. And Bob Stone was the state attorney at the time. 
And he said, and the killer kept teeth as trophies. It was at that moment in time that my heart literally, I felt like was going to burst. And this voice said, please tell our story. Please tell our story. Please tell our story. And I've said from the beginning that, that these girls drive this train. When it's time for them to be heard again, they find a way to be heard. I don't have to do anything. They do it. Just like Vicki reaching out. Every documentary that I've done on the ID channel, they've reached out to me. And it it's time again for them to be heard. When I was researching this book, I didn't sleep. For four months, I didn't sleep. Then one night I finally went to sleep and, and I sat straight up in bed and this voice says, I am going to kill you. And I said, uh, no, you're dead. My girls are going to be heard because when Schaefer was alive, there was a journalist that was going to write the story and Schaefer threatened him. Well, Schaefer's dead. He can't hurt me. And the girls need to be heard. They need to, to be, it needs to be known that these girls are not forgetting. I am friends with their families of some of these girls. And er, everyone without a doubt has said, thank you for writing the story. Thank you for telling what an evil man he was. The youngest girl was eight years old. My God. That is that. See, <laughs> I get chill bumps every time I, I talk about them because I am that close to those victims and their families. Yeah. And I think there are so many victims scattered in so many different places. Um, the place where I did the party, um, I have a team member who she didn't know where I was going. And I said, I called her and I said, oh, my gosh, I think I ran into another victim of Schaefer. And she goes, where were you? I said, I was in Port St. Lucie. She goes, were you off of such and such road? And I said, how did you know? She said, I've driven down that road so many times and I have felt that there are victims there. And I personally, you know, as you know, he bragged because yes. I would call it bragging that he had be anywhere between 80 to a hundred plus victims. Yeah. I, I would believe there are so many out there that we have not found because of the areas where he chose to get rid of the bodies. And I think we really need to do something major, I feel, for these victims. I agree. And you got to also remember, Vicki, in the 1970s, he was from Fort Lauderdale. He lied to get on with the sheriff's department in Martin County mm -hmm. and all of most of St. Lucie County was still rural. There were driveways that went nowhere. There were roads that went nowhere. So, and he knew the area, he knew how to get on and get off of 95 to dump his victims. This man was, was crazy smart. He had a large IQ, but he was not real bright when he thought he was smarter than the cops. It just took him a little bit longer to catch him. So I agree with Vicki that there are probably, I've always said there were more victims, but these nine are the only ones that we can, without a doubt, say belong to him. But I'm sure there's more. Oh, yeah, most definitely. This is, 
this is a man that went unchecked for many, many years. Yes. And uh, we have to think along the lines of, um, okay, so how old was he when he was officially finally behind bars? 72. He was born in 47, 48. So he was in his late 20s, early 30s. Okay. So that gives him enough time between teenagehood into when he finally got caught and yes. put behind bars um, to actually pile up enough victims uh, that would be more than 35, well into the 50s, 60s, maybe 70s or more. And it's just that he, I, I said it before, I'll say it again. He got, either he was sloppy or he got sloppy towards the end. And that's when they started catching on to him. Thankfully, he didn't last long in the police force because, my goodness, the amount of victims he could have taken if he they had allowed him to stay on or they hadn't caught on. If those two girls had not escaped. Oh, he would have. It would have been longer. Yeah, it would have been way, way longer. And, and I want to, Rich, I want to address something as with all serial killers, and you can go back and, and look at Bundy and at Dahmer, as with all serial killers, the more they kill, the braver they get and the sloppier they get because they truly believe that they will not get caught. They they get cockier. Uh, yes. they, they, yeah, because they, they're literally being, uh, they haven't been caught. They're thinking, well, this is just going to continue. I'm going to continue to be able to get away with this. They get cocky. And then before you know it, all it Good. takes is that one. And this time it was two that actually escaped and told on him. Thank God. Uh, but he he still posted bail, if I'm not mistaken, $15,000. And he was out on bail for quite some time. And before you do it, he was back at it again. Yeah. And again, when he was given bail for the two that got away, law enforcement didn't know about the previous bad acts. They didn't know about Ocala National Forest. They didn't know about Deborah Lowe down in, in Hollywood. They didn't know about these other girls. So it was just assault and kidnapping. And so that was not something that he could not get out on bail on. Uh, it amazed me the story he tried to use. Oh, wasn't that cute? Yeah, that was adorable. <laughs> just teaching him a lesson. Yeah, I wasn't going to do anything <laughs> to them. Bad. <laughs> yeah, whatever. And uh, thankfully, the sheriffs did not agree, uh, nor the detectives. And they were like, in fact, the judge was the one that finally threw the book at him. But they should have put him behind bars. They should not have, you know, allowed him to be able to post bail. And he did. And he continued. That's, but, he that's that, but again, that was the law that was on the books and yes, the laws yes. are set by Tallahassee. So people, people blame the judge. People blame the prosecutor. People blame the cops. If you're going to blame somebody, you got to blame Tallahassee because they're the ones that set the, the statutes. Yes. And the statutes yes. for those crimes were not for lack of a better word, severe, because they did not know about his prior bad acts. And you know, what I found fascinating is that back then, 
Florida did not have the death penalty. No, they had just canceled it oh in God. Tallahassee. Uh, it When he killed the two girls on South Hutchinson Island, they had just revoked the death penalty right before he killed them. Not before they were found, but before he killed them. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but one of the, the victim's mothers just did say, you know, at first she wanted death for him, but then she thought about it. Let, let him suffer. Oh, let him suffer. Let him suffer. Suffer he did. He did. Yeah. Retribution yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. And, and and I believe he was bludgeoned to death, if I'm not mistaken. He was, <laughs> oh, he was worse than bludgeoned. The Rodriguez, who was more of a psycho than he was, what had happened, Schaefer had helped get the um, water fountain in the pod and it would dispense hot and cold water and yeah. you could get one cup of hot and or one cup of cold per day well because he being the narcissistic sociopath that he was and believing that he was greater than god thought he could have two and he was also snitching on other inmates hoping he would get a reduction in his prison time so rodriguez who was really should have been in Chattahoochee in a padded cell. One morning, walked into Schaefer's cell and stabbed him 18 times in his Ooh. eyes and slid his throat from ear to ear like this, which was, you can no longer see and you can no longer snitch. Wow. That's what they call poetic justice. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, that that guy deserves a lot worse to be honest with you but it's poetic in the sense that he got killed by the very thing he was tagged to be a criminal yes and i find it intriguing you used he so the, the two words narcissistic sociopathic behavior uh -huh. you you realize your evaluation of this serial killer was actually ahead of its time in where we failed to actually point those two things out back then as you stated back then i mean it's like living in a different era i was born back then too so you're correct he did display sociopathic narcissistic behavior and i find it amusing that back then they didn't find that and it wasn't his fault. The crimes he committed were not his fault. What what people just don't understand is he none of this was his fault. It was the girls' fault because they wouldn't behave. They wouldn't dress right. They hitchhiked. They were whores. They wouldn't go home and stay at home. It wasn't his fault. God love him. Vicky, take over. <laughs> <laughs> Well, wow. the jury's out on God's affection. That's all I'm saying. All righty. But yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. But you know, again, it was a time period where police departments didn't communicate with each other. Uh -uh. No, uh, you know, they couldn't go and Google. They couldn't pick up, you know, send something via fax or you know anything like that. Every bit that they had to do was on the ground work. We and, know how, how he got on the sheriff's department from Mil from Wilton Manor's police department. 
he forged the chief's name on a letter of recommendation and gave it to the sheriff in Martin County. And because there was a sense of honor among the different departments, even though they didn't communicate, they hired him. Yep. And, and and from it, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he he got the taste for law enforcement because he was a, a security guard for a little while there. Yes. Okay. So did he even go through proper training to yes, be a police? Yes, he did. Okay. He went through the academy because you have to go through the academy. In fact, some of the men that were in the academy with him were afraid of him. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. And the two times that he tried to do the internships for teaching, I mean, he did inappropriate things yeah, with students. I, I and in the whole, like if there had been some kind of reporting system, he got in trouble when he was at Wilton Manors because he was using, he was pulling people over for minor offenses, using the computer to find out their address so he could go ask them for dates. Yep. What computer? What computer? Well, they had a database. They had <laughs> well, a database. database. But, you yeah. know, quite frankly, I, I back then it was all files more than anything else. It was just typed up. And sharing that from one county to another. Didn't it? That didn't because exist. Because you didn't have a national database. Exactly. Except for the FBI. You only had a local one. Yeah. You only had a local one. If you got a ticket down in Fort Lauderdale and didn't pay it up here in Indian River County, they wouldn't know it. Yeah. Because there was no NCIC, there was no national database where everything was fed into. It, it's amazing that we just got by with telephones back then, and there yep. wasn't even beepers or cell nope. phones or Google or anything like that. Uh, nowadays, uh, I'm hard pressed to walk around without this. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, who knows if the lights go out, I can always turn the light on this and see my way around. Um, but back then, the I, predators like Schaefer would use the naiveness, if that's even yes. a word, uh, of these kids that were hitchhiking. And also, one of the reasons he got fired as a geography teacher is that he was actually incorporating his, I believe, political views in with the geography and religious, yeah. and religion as well and that's why they fired him yet uh nowadays uh you'd be hard pressed to sniff the wrong way look the wrong way and you're fired back then they actually let a lot of things slide but they were rather swift with the the gavel when it came to his career as a geography teacher because that's really what he studied for there was probably more that was kind of swept under the rug until such time that he just went right over the cliff. Well, Yvonne, that's why we have you on, on, on the show. Come on. <laughs> Give us some more here. I mean, you, 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 did you ever, did you ever get a chance to meet the man? No, because he, he was killed in 94 and I didn't write the book until 2006, seven. Okay. So he had already been, bless him, dead for many years. I ain't going to bless him. You go ahead. <laughs> It's a southern thing, Rich. It's a southern, it's a southern thing, honey. It, it's that was meant like, as an insult. Is that is that when you is that one of those southern things where you say, "Oh, bless your heart." Yes, mm -hmm. that, oh, I okay. bless your heart on a daily basis, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks a lot, Ricky. <laughs> but it, I would have Jeez. liked to, I would have liked to have talked to him, simply because 
I've been in his mind for so long that I could anticipate his answer before he gave it to me. Unlike others that went to interview him, that wanted him to admit that he had done what he had done. He even, he even, um, friend of mine who was an FBI agent that wrote the forward to the book, corresponded with Schaefer. And Schaefer kept saying, well, if you'll do this and this and this for me, I'll tell you where the bodies are. And this went on for a couple of letters. And finally, my my friend said, OK, I'm done here because you're not going to tell me anything. All you're doing is using me to get information that you want, but you're not going to reciprocate. And I'm sure there were favors included in with that information if he gave that information. Yes. 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 Uh, I see things haven't really changed much when it comes to the prison system and people saying, hey, if you give me this information, I can talk to, you know, so-and-so and see if they can actually hook you up with a better cell. But and we'll he, never know. He had arranged, um, I saw on the special that Yvonne did, he was supposed to talk, tell him what, what happened on that occasion. That was when he actually was killed. Yeah. So, so that, it never it never came to fruition. But he he was the interviews, if you saw any of the inter, the interviews that were done with him by the journalist, if you watch his body language and watch his facial expressions, he is in complete control of that interview. Yes. He and and he knew it too. Yes. He he had like a predator. He had his prey exactly where he wanted them. He could manipulate them however he wanted. And that's the one thing that I've noticed. The one the one thing that they all have in common, all serial killers, they have to be in control. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's part of that narcissistic sociopathic yes. personality. When I was doing, when I was researching the book, I bought his book that he wrote and I was reading it and I was comparing it to the information that I had gotten from my law enforcement friends and from the courts. And I looked at Jack and I said, his book is a confession. Everything that he had in his book had been done to his victims. Wow line for line and if the if the law enforcement agent and of course again they're dealing with somebody they don't know who they're they don't understand the psychic of the person they're dealing with to begin with and so they don't know how to interview him and if they had taken his notes that they found at his mother's house it was the outline of the book it was a diary of sorts if they had taken that and and read it line for line, gone back and look at the evidence, they could have come at him and said, okay, well, we see you wrote about this, this, and this, and this, 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 and this happened. It and could have even been used as a map. Right. He either wrote it before he committed the crimes or he wrote it after he committed the crimes. Because with serial killers, what they do is they go back and they look at their trophies or they look at their journals and it gives them a high. But that high will will abate. That's why they have to kill again. Why not use that today 
as we were discussing earlier, to finally lay these souls to rest and give these families that have lost their, their family members and use it as a map to locate their bodies. Because the locations aren't there. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. It's just the, the method. Yeah, it's the method. The the method, and and quite frankly, it's it's funny how it took a life of its own, the Devil's Tree. Oh yeah, this the Devil's Tree. Where this all got started, but there were many Devil's Trees around, and as our producer just put up, that's possibly a recreation, but kind of sort of the way it was. From what I understand, he would tie his victims' arms and feet, but to the extent to where they were leaning, but they had to stand up or else the noose would actually strangulate them. They were on a, what he would do is he'd put them on the, a five gallon bucket. Oh, Lord have mercy. He would handcuff them before he ever got them to where he was going to hang them. He would handcuff them. Then he would lead them to where he was going to hang them. He would get them up on the bucket. He would he would hang them. Then he would tie their legs and it would just leave just enough slack that unless they got tired and fell off the bucket, they would not die. But what he would do is he would leave them there. He would come back and he would emotionally torture them. He'd say, okay, which one of you want to die first so the other can watch? He would torture them. Then he would leave. Then he would come back, he would torture them some more, he would leave and he would come back and this would go on for who knows how long before he finally put a bullet in the back of their head. Psychological warfare, amazing yep. how it works. And of course you have these victims, they've been tied up and uh, you can play with their mind and their, their weaknesses. Um, we're gonna get real deep into this uh, in the second hour Yvonne, don't go anywhere. Um, I know you're in Bureau Beach, so I'll find you and I'll bring you back to the show if you leave us. And <laughs> we will be back after these few short words from our sponsors. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
And welcome back, everyone, to Greetings from Beyond Radio. With us tonight, we have Yvonne Mason, author of one of the worst uh, serial killers I've ever read about. And to be honest with you, uh, every minute we talk about this guy, the more I can't stand to even hear it. But, of course, this is part of what Greetings from Beyond Radio does. And that's why we have Yvonne Mason on with us tonight. Uh, Yvonne, the, the, I keep going back to what I was taught many, many years ago, and it doesn't matter what kind of abuse we go through in life. Um, it's a choice. Um, we, we, you know, I've, I've known many, many people that have had alcoholics for parents or drug addicts or uh, even physical and sexual abuse, and they chose to go a completely different route. This one individual chose to go the worst route possible. It was a personal choice. Um, there was no real mental illness found, but I, I, I'd wager to say that being a you know a sociopath and a narcissist, I, I do know that those two can be considered to be mental illnesses. But why did do you feel he went that route? Do you think it was the relationship he did not have with his father or the relationship that he did have with his mother? I think it's the second. Okay. And the reason I say that is let's take worst case scenario and say, there was incest okay for a 12 13 year old boy who's coming into puberty and that happens that damages their psychic if and he was already on that path to begin with so when you combine the relationship with his mother with his inborn psychic you've got a perfect storm. Yeah. And I would venture to say back to his psyche valve, Schaefer's IQ was at genius level. Mm. So that being said, when he was evaluated at Chattahoochee, he, he and more than likely told the psychiatrist, the answers the psychiatrist wanted. You have to you have to take his whole psychic into perspective because he was out thinking the psychiatrist. He was anticipating the questions and already had an answer formed at a genius level. I would I wouldn't I I'd expect nothing more than for him to be able to think ahead. But. Man, uh, Keystone cops got nothing on this guy when it came to uh you know just getting his tracks covered he, he seemed to leave a lot of openings for authorities to catch on to him and uh leads that they would I, I think your husband had an easy time finding finding him and finding more uh, of the victims that he never spoke of over the years with the evidence that he found at his mother's if okay. they could have identified who the jewelry belonged to. Schaefer liked to play catch me if you can. 
his was a psychological game as well as a physical crime. You have to you have to take both of those into consideration. He was committing crimes, but he's also playing mind games with the cops because he was one. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, and manipulating, you know, yes. the psychiatrist and anybody that he came anybody across. that was in his uh, newspaper reporters, his girlfriends, his wives, his mother, his in laws, anybody that was within his radar. He knew how to manipulate them to his way of thinking that he he really was innocent. He didn't manipulating the system, if you well, will. Mm -hmm. and, and back then, that was very easy. It, it certainly it was because there was no communication. When yeah. I, surprisingly enough, when I started this journey, and and again, I believe that everything happens for a reason. I went to the clerk's office. They still had all the evidence, and so. As Jack and I are going through the evidence and the boxes and the crime scene photos and all the things they had, I saw my husband transported back to 1972. I saw his face. He was physically sick. When I went back to go through the last box, which was the clothes of the girls that were found, he said, Yvonne, I can't go. I said, I understand. I saw your face. Vicki. I'm going to ask you this question, uh, having worked cold cases before and uh, being a psychic medium as you are and helped on these cold cases, how would you, how do you feel you'd react if you were to come in contact with this box of evidence that Schaefer left behind? Um, there's a good chance that I would pick up things. Um, they probably would speak to me. They probably would give me clues. Um, you know, when a psychic medium picks up things, especially in regards to victims of crimes, it's not just that one person that they have to get involved. You have to kind of have a little army behind you that would, that would be like, okay, what do you get? Come on, we're going there. And that's the problem with some of these cases is I could get something, but I need my army. I need the army to help me go to these places. I do believe I have come across more than one victim, the one from the party I mentioned. And then um, I think I've come across a couple of them out in Oak Hammock Park. Uh, the very first time I ever went out there, uh, there was a woman, she was running through there. I can see her, I get chills. I can see her plain as day. She had long straight brown hair. It was parted in the middle. She was wearing yellow. Um, she had like these yellow shorts and it was like a tank top and we're walking down the path. And there's, when you go in, there's the tree that I think has been misidentified as the tree. And you keep going down this one path and there's this whole group of these big trees. And I'm not thinking anything about it. I'm walking. And all of a sudden this girl runs past me and she's looking behind her. And she said, he's coming, he's coming. And she ran all the way through. Um, I actually have team members who have been out to the location and um, I would like, especially uh, Yvonne, I would like your opinion on some of these, uh, some of the ones that were caught. There were multiple laughs that sounded like an evil male laugh. Um, the male voices, one was captured that said murder. Another one said it's the devil. The other one said chase her. 
And while this person was standing by the, the area that we think both she and I randomly picked out as one of the actual areas where someone had been murdered, um, they got the EVP and it said hanging. And those were all male voices. Now, there were female voices that were captured near, they have like bathrooms there now that weren't there back in the day. Um, but near the bathroom area, there was a female voice that said scared. And not long after that, the female voice says, run, run, run. And it sounds like she's out of breath, if you were going to, you know, describe. Now, the other very, very interesting one, and Yvonne will definitely probably be able to relate to this. It was a male voice, and it said, watch your six. Can you let everybody know, Yvonne, what that would be related to? That would be related to the fact that that's cop talk. Because mm -hmm. when you go into a firefight, they say, watch my six. Also, in the if you're in combat, watch my six. And, and both my husband and I, we were always watching each other's six. Because my background is criminal justice. Rich, I don't know if you know it or not, but I'm a former bounty hunter. Yes. I'm well, I didn't know about the bounty hunter. I knew about the criminal justice. I'm also an empath. <coughs> so when I went to Oak Hammock... Um, the first time butterflies followed me into the crime area. I can take you to the exact location because the, the cop that found the bodies, what parts he could find, he went back for three years looking for the skulls, never could find them. But he, he walked me back there with a journalist for the TC Palm that did a documentary. And he said, Yvonne, this is where they were hung because they found some of the body parts there. But when we went in there that far, and this is why I say the girls drive this train. When we went in there the mm -hmm. first time, there were butterflies, there were two butterflies that led us into the area. See, I didn't even know that in that day that we were there. It was so weird because, and I don't think I've even told you, Rich, um, there was a group of us, it was um, some of my team members the very, very first time, and um, we came across, there was butterflies that were right in front of us, and I typically don't associate spirits coming in, you know, butterfly form or things like that. It's a little more spontaneous for me. Um, I know when it is a human spirit somehow connected, because I will actually say, oh, wow, that's Uncle Sammy, or if it's whatever, it just pops out of my mouth. And that day I said, that's a girl. See? Uh, so girl. I, I need to ask this to both of you now. Uh, Yvonne, what color butterflies? They were monarchs. Vicky? Which are not, which are not indigenous to us. No, they're not. But <laughs> Vicki, what were the butterflies that you Monarch. saw? Ah. I, there, but there was also, there was... There was, that was the one that I first identified, but there was another pure yellow mm. one. And remember, I had one point seen that girl wearing a yellow outfit. I think we should go back out there. It's been yes. several, and the girls are calling me to come back out there. And well, I have to do what they asked me to do. Yeah. And, and the way, you know, like I said, when you first go into the main entrance that they have where you can go in the past, there's a tree that people mm -hmm. have identified, they've carved things and all that. 
I don't think that's the that's tree. not the tree. It's further back because see, if you take that the trail that you take to the crime scene, that trail goes all the way back to a road that at one time there were no houses on. That's how he came in to bring the girls in. He brought them in from the back side. Yeah. And the reason I found I had my investigator who is the one who captured these EVPs. And she just let me roam around. She says, oh, you know, let's kind of just walk around. Let's walk around. And so we're walking around. And all of a sudden I stopped, excuse the uh -huh. expression, dead in my tracks. And I said, oh, my God, this is it. Yep. And that she looked at me and goes, this is exactly the spot I said, too. Now, what was interesting, when we got ready to leave, something followed us. Yep. And that, that something was not very nice. And it followed us. But I got to a certain point and it was almost like there was a line drawn in the sand. And, and it, 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 mm -mm. it stopped right. I'm getting chill. I'm covered in chills. from talking. <laughs> you and me both. And, and again, when what I find so interesting when I was researching the book and I came across all of the, for lack of a better word, um, assumptions from people that thought they knew what they didn't know. I had the facts behind me. I had the cop that went out there because the, these two girls were found by fishermen in the canal. Some of their bodies, body parts, their bones. And so when I went out there with Rick, who is now dead, and I talked to him, he was very specific about where they were buried and where they were hung. And people tried to make something evil out of where these girls were killed that wasn't evil. I mean, it was, it was an evil act, but yes. the girls were not evil. The girls were innocent and that essence is still there. Mm -hmm. uh, welcome to the show, Deborah. She from, uh, she's one of the members of paranormal clergy, which I, run now completely thank you for joining us and if you guys have any question in the chat room please feel free to leave those questions for our guest yvonne and she will do everything to answer uh this has turned out to be a very fascinating show a show because as far as i'm concerned uh i think we're working on a cold case again Vicky and Yvonne, and I'd be more than honored to join you guys and assist in whatever way I can, because quite frankly, I believe these victims, unfortunately, met their uh, doom with this uh, monster. I, I, there's just no other word for him. He, he was a monster, period. And I think they need to get their voice back. Uh, they need to be released they they need to have their voices heard because they they do have a story this is why you yvonne and also vicky have had butterflies and this is why i asked you both because monarchs are not indigenous to the state of florida no they are like, not they are not the most the, the the indigenous ones are i believe they're called zebra uh butterflies they're black with yellow stripes across mm -hmm. and the the usual yellow butterfly but monarchs which are not indigenous to this area at all, that's telling you something. That, in my opinion, means their story needs to be heard. Absolutely. I, I've said this ever since I I wrote the book, and the I got nothing 
but positive response from all the law enforcement <coughs> officers that were involved, the prosecutor who was involved, the um, uh, defense attorney who became a prosecutor who was involved, all the people that were involved in this investigation and the ultimate getting Schaefer in prison all said, Yvonne, please tell these girls stories. And after the book came out, I have to tell you, Rick, it was all of a sudden like an explosion. People were coming out of the woodwork saying they knew what they knew and they really didn't know anything, but they all thought they knew something. Mm -hmm. And I said, you have to read the book because the book is nothing but facts. Most serial killer or murder true crimes that are written are written like fluff pieces. Yes. They want to know the, the victim's favorite pet, their favorite color, how many siblings they had, where they went to school. That's not telling the story. No. Silent scream is raw. It is in your face. It is gory. It hurts but it's the facts it it will make you understand on some level the fear the torture the end of life the loss that these girls went through because of this monster it's their story not his story most most people most authors glorify the killer no he is not glorified i don't care if he slept with his mother I don't care if he was a genius. I don't care if he had a psychosis. He killed girls because it gave him power. And pleasure. And pleasure. That, that's the disturbing part. Yeah. Uh, Gerard Schaefer, uh, known as Killer Cop, The Hangman, and The Butcher of Blind Creek. Yep. Um, and what I was reading in detail, what this monster would do uh he would purposely try to get them drunk just to see them and mind you this is why the disclaimer was on in the first hour in the second hour just so that we're aware uh this is graphic he would try to get them drunk um he wanted them uh he enjoyed seeing them urinate themselves yes and defecate themselves this is disturbing to begin with already what he's already done but to also you know just keep torturing them day after day night after night when he could and just leave them yeah. god only knows what was out there when it came to wildlife that was nipping at them biting them and they couldn't defend themselves and leaving them in such a position to where they were just inevitably if they were to give way hang themselves mm -hmm. And he, he was hoping for this. What I find fascinating is, yes, you know, this is his MO. But I was talking to Vicky about this weeks back before we, we had you on the show that I really feel that we need to trace back our all the steps. Not so much, well, we'll use Schaefer, but as a blueprint, if we can, using psychic medium ability with vicky to find these victims and give them a voice um and having you 
on that team would actually help a lot because you have a uh, you have a psychological evaluation in your own head as to how, what made this monster tick in the first place. So that would actually be confirmation for Vicky and whatever she picks up. So I believe in the near future. So and I hate to say it, unfortunately, during the summertime, I, I hope we can do this before June. Uh, we will be taking a trip. And nice. I definitely am going to have to have you sign the book because, uh, you know, I'll have to get it framed. Uh, that's that's something I'll I'll read it and I'll say it's been read. Sign, please. Thank you. Right there. OK, All just right. don't be eating when you read the book because no, no. portions of his um, biography, as he called it, or his stories, as he called it, are in in there word for word. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've seen some of the pictures that he sketched. Yes, they're Very in there disturbing. too. Oh my god. Crime scene photos, the whole that book is filled with things that will make one cringe. And one time I got a review from a reader that basically said, What the hell did you write this book for? It's trash. Honey, apparently that book was not for you. You did not understand the line of the book. You did not get it. Because you didn't read it with an open mind. You were not thinking about the victims. Uh, someone uh, by the name of Brandy. Uh, that's that's my from, daughter. There you go. Okay. Uh, hi from Commerce, Georgia. I've been to Blind Creek and read the book. It's amazing. But of course, you know, she's your daughter. So uh, I, I, I have to say Vicky's read the book. I have not read the book yet because... We have so many people on here that, quite frankly, I have to catch up on a lot of my re reading. <laughs> I, I, I still have three books that I'm still reading, and I haven't even finished if those. You start, when you start Silent Scream, you won't put it down. I, I'll only put it down before I eat. And and I'm going to tell you about my daughter. My daughter does not read books. Well. That, well that, that, I didn't even know she'd read the book. Well, there you go. You know what? I knew she had it, but I didn't know she'd read it. <laughs> well, I have a question. I know that um, some of the victims, they never found their skulls. Right. Is it your opinion? Because some people have speculated that it's because wildlife may have gone off with it. Or do you think that he actually collected them and put them all in a singular location? What do you think happened to the skulls? No, I... Again, we're talking about Florida, mm. and I do not think he collected the skulls. He collect. He, I can't talk anymore. He collected things that he could um, hide easily. If if he had collected any of the skulls, they would have been found in in the search when they did the search warrant because they did a all encompassing search warrant at his apartment and at his mother's house. And they went through that place. They went through her bedroom. They went through all the nooks and crannies. And Schaefer being Schaefer, if he had collected those skulls, would have kept them with the rest of the trophies because that would have been something for him to pull out and caress and, and reimagine the crime and, and get high all over again. And so those skulls are out there somewhere. You know, I, I know they did find a pair of jeans that had uh, the Roadrunner. That was patch. Susan Place. Yes. And uh, that was found in his mother's home in yes. the room he used to stay in. Uh, so he did keep 
trophies. Well, the the Roadrunner jeans were found at the crime scene. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, the, when he when they when the investigators went to Blind Creek mm -hmm. and started digging up the the graves where the wildlife had you know gone in there and dug them up those jeans and that roadrunner patch were at the crime scene still on the leg bones i have that crime oh scene photo goodness gracious yeah and anybody who's interested um they can yvonne does have a youtube channel and there are quite a few videos uploaded and i was just crying through um the one that you you show the actual crime scene photo there's some photos there's pictures of those um trophies that he kept mm -hmm. and just knowing that those were connected to those young girls quite and a visual isn't it it's it's really hard for me to get through um it really triggers a lot um one thing i can say is if we do take our field trip out there I had an experience where we were trying to do a live video in the area where I think the real tree is. And it looked like we were live. It said live. It looked like we were on Facebook. We get through with it. And the person's like, uh, we weren't live. And as soon as we crossed over that imaginary line that I talked about, the phone worked, the live worked, everything was functioning perfectly fine. So we have to be prepared if we're doing anything to document what we're doing, have a backup because it might not work out there. And it might not have been time. Right. The, True. Girl, the girls tell me when it's time for them to be heard. I and find that fascinating, Yvonne. You, you keep referring to the girls with this, like this, you have this personal relationship with them. Like I they do. communicate with you. Now you said you're empathic. I myself am empathic as well. Um, Vicky's the psychic medium. Um, I think combining forces would actually be beneficial for documenting this. And actually, you know, Vicky, with all due respect, going live in, and I don't know where this is. I would imagine it's part of the Everglades out in the boonies. No, it's in a neighborhood. It's in a, it's neighborhood, in a neighborhood now. But it, it, it wasn't, wasn't back then. <laughs> right. But it is okay. now. It's, it's a very high end middle class neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we would have to look at this, and uh, I, I'd, I'd go in with a video camera. I'm not sure if I even have my video camera with me. It may be back in Utah, but I'm sure Vicky, you could get your hands on one. I have that, one, and she okay. Yvonne has one too. We could actually document this on video and go through the steps, and we need to start somewhere. Now, I have a question for you. Um, was there any indicators? that Schaefer ever killed a male? No. They were always female. That there were uh, whispers that it was possible. But as much as I've studied Schaefer, as with all serial killers, all serial killers have a, um, a script, if you, if you will. Right. They have a model. They don't veer from that model. So in order for them to deviate from that model, it would actually take something that would be traumatic to them that would... Well, like somebody coming across them and they have to kill them because they're exactly. witness. Yeah. That's what I'm a, thinking. I have a story to tell y'all. Um, a friend of mine, her name is Terrell, and she they lived up 
near Ocala and her mother, Terrell's mother, was coming down through the Ocala National Forest to go to work in the 1960s. This was in 66, I think, 66, 68, 69. She saw a car on the side of the road. She saw a man get out of the car, open the trunk, throw a rug over his shoulder and saw an arm fall out. She saw the man walk into the forest and she never saw him come out. Well, again, no cell phones, no way to, so she drove to the nearest police department, reported it. They went out to the area, walked a little ways in, never saw anything, but there were two girls. They were the, his first two known kills disappeared out of Ocala National Forest. Wow. That sounds so Jeepers Creepers um, for anyone that's ever seen that movie. And uh, ironically, in that movie, uh, and there is truth to that one particular scene where they see a body being uh, thrown into a chute uh, next to an old uh, abandoned church, I believe. And uh, that sounds very similar to what you just described right there. A man getting out of car and carrying over his shoulder, the bodies and on an arm falling out. Her um, mother was never the same after that. Terrell said that her mother became an alcoholic after that. Yeah. Yeah. Yvonne, I'm going to, at some point, Yvonne, I'm going to, because somebody is doing this right now in my ear as we're talking. I had sent you a message when I first reached out to you and um, we were supposed to try to figure out if we can figure out what it meant. I Somebody literally is screaming in my ear, April, April, April. I don't know if it's their name. I don't know if it's the month. It's the month. But they are screaming. Like literally the, the more longer we're on the air, they just keep going, April, April, April. That's when Susan Place and her friend were found at Blind Creek. Oh, okay. And see, the 19th Judicial Circuit had been formed in January of that year. They were found in April of 73. They were killed around December of seven, September to December of 72. I think it was September when they disappeared. That was when he was waiting to go to jail for 90 days for the kidnapping charges. Okay. So do you and, think it was just them trying to make that connection to confirm? Mm -hmm. Okay. When in April exactly? What date? I want to say, see, it's been so long. It was this maybe the second week of April. Second. So it's already passed. Yeah. Um, if we can get that information, which I'm sure, Yvonne, you, you, you would have access to that. Um, we could actually include that in on this little investigation, this scouting that we're going to be doing, because we really I, I feel passionate about getting their voices heard. Thank you. Uh, that is, to me, the best way to overcome a monster in and what that monster has done is to actually go and move forward by giving those victims a voice. Yes. And I, 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 I hate to refer to movies and scenes and whatnot, but very much like what happened in Ghost mm -hmm. towards the end where his best friend is actually drug away by these dark forces under. And I'm thinking to myself, that would be a perfect thing because Vicky has already stated in her EVPs, he's coming. Right. And 
that I don't know if Vicky, would you say this is an intelligence or is this residual more than anything else? Um, that the ones that I've encountered, um, the one that was running through wearing the yellow outfit, it's kind of hard for me to tell if she was there. Now, the thing that followed me until it couldn't go past that point, that's intelligent. That's not a memory in my estimation, because whatever that was that followed me interacted with me. And, you know, Yvonne, what, what is your opinion on what that is out there that because you confirm there's like that line and it's like it doesn't cross. What do you think? What do you think that I, actually is? I think it could be the intelligent trying to stop us from showing who he is and what he is and giving the girls the center stage. It's not his stage anymore. He's not in charge anymore. It's their turn. Right. And, and he did. Well. Whatever this was tried their very best to intimidate me, but they were dealing with the wrong person <laughs> on the wrong day. Even though I wasn't wearing my not today Satan t-shirt, I will wear that. then. Not today Satan and tomorrow doesn't look good either. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But bless his heart. Um. <laughs> hey, I'm staying out of that one because I've already been told that, that she uses that on me and I didn't even know about that. Okay, so well, but uh, it depends on the context of the conversation. If yes. you're not feeling well and you say, Vaughn, I just hadn't felt well for a week, I'll say, Rich, bless your heart, honey. I'm so sorry. That's an empathetic sympathy. Bless your it's, heart. It's how you say it, it's I how guess. How you say it in the context, yes. When, when it's depending like, on what oh, you bless said your to me. Heart. Okay. Yeah. And Depending on when, what you said to me first depends on which bless your heart you honey, need. I could just show up and you'd go off on me and say, oh, bless your heart. So please give me a break. What can I um, say? <laughs> I'm a nice guy. It's just, you know, I, I just have this mug that people seem to think I'm a bad guy, but hey. You're not whatever, a bad guy. You know? There's nothing, Rich, there's nothing bad about you. The vibes I get coming off of you from here is you've got a heart of gold. Thank you. I appreciate it. Finally, someone noticed. Uh, <laughs> well, bless your heart. <laughs> oh, see, see, see. Okay. All right. So anyways, moving on. Uh, <laughs> I can't with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be laughing the whole time we're investigating. So you know what? Uh, at least that will bring good vibes and, and more than likely bring out these poor, unfortunate souls that were taken so 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 their lives are nipped at, at the bud just as they were beginning i want you to think about the ages 16 17 18 Eight and nine, 13 9 and even thir oh my god I, I i can't even fathom that because let me tell you about the 13 wow. year old the 13 year old her name's deborah Lowe, and her family and i are very very close mm. they came to florida from west virginia they moved down south to the Fort Lauderdale. Hollywood. Oh, Brandy says, by the way, Southern Charm. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Brandy. <laughs> See, we're from Georgia. We know how to talk. But they moved, they moved from West Virginia down to yes. Fort Lauderdale. One day, Deborah, who was 13 years old, was walking to school. She never came home. When the family immediately called the PD down there, call Fort Lauderdale, 
their response was, well, she must have been homesick, so she ran away back to West Virginia. They never investigated it. Good Lord. And that, I think, was a big problem with what was going on in the 70s. Some people may have never been reported. I went on a, an investigation in Titusville, and I ended up in the trailer park where Bernard Giles had actually lived when he committed his crimes. And I, again, came across who I thought was a victim that would have been it now it's like this little park area mm -hmm. um but the thing is it's so hard to actually find real information because i started looking through all the list of names of missing women during that time period where giles was doing his crimes and it's great if i could come across a name but you know how many names weren't on there how many names their family just assumed they ran away yeah or they went, you know, hiking across and they just had found a better life. And there's so many people out there that have been victims. And the sad part is that nobody has really mourned them. And the that girls, is heartbreaking. The two girls that, that's on the screen now, Nancy Lickner and Pam Nader, those were his first two known kills. The cops also said these two girls just ran away. They left their clothes. They left their shoes. They left their wallets. One of them was engaged to be married. One of them was a nurse. These two girls did not run away. Schaefer killed them. And, and what's funny is as back then, they were, we have to think of the times when yes. this was happening. Uh, back then, there were a lot of hippie-ish behavior going on. People hitchhiking. Uh, they, they, they'd go across the country to do whatever they needed to do. And they, they figured they just ran away. So they'd mark them down as, you know, runaways. But those runaways, and you have a point there, Yvonne and Vicky, they, they, they became victims Yes. And and just brushed off as runaways. A runaway to me would be someone that would pop up later on some other state, somewhere else, married with a different name, but they'd pop up again. Uh, they never popped back up. Mm -mm. So but you'd also have to have somebody looking for them in order to acknowledge that they have now popped up. But and that's what happens know, to a lot of these girls. The families just assume they ran away and never looked again. Assumed. That's a certain point. Assumed. And that in itself is the issue. They assumed. And mm -hmm. my thing is, is I, listen, we've all had runaway people that have run away and whatnot. But let's face facts. Eventually they pop up again. They contact someone from the family, aunt, uncle, and just to let mom and dad know they're still alive. But they never let them know where they're at that is usually the the mo of a runaway these never pop back up again and I look at what happens when they call when they contacted the police the police identified some of these as saying they just ran away they, they just, just ran away them. they and just they, missed uh, them lickner and nader were at a picnic with family at ocala national forest and when the sheriff showed up he said oh they just they just left they'll come back so they never investigated. And how many Jane Doe's are sitting in cold storage or in boxes somewhere because they were never identified? We didn't have the technology 
and parents just quit looking. Families just stopped looking. They they assumed they were dead. So they stopped looking. Even if they called and gave a missing persons report, many times cops would say, oh, give them 24 hours, give them 48 hours, give them a week. And they call back and say, well, you know, they'll show up. It, it, it's disturbing. It really is, in my opinion, considering back then, that's that's they chalk it up as runaway, runaway. And for all we know, the, these are the other victims, and I think they are, of Schaefer. And oh, I have no doubt. We need to organize and get ourselves out there and see what we can do to bring a voice back to these victims because they deserve it. The families deserve closure. They do. And this this man got away with murder a lot. And uh, from what my understanding, Yvonne, you said this started, you believe, in Georgia, spread into Florida. So we'd have to actually go as far as Georgia. It's possible. It's yeah. very possible because, well, they moved, the family moved to Florida when he was 15. So there's, from the time he was 12, when he started pulling wings off of flies and nailing frogs to boards and killing cats and dogs or whatever else he decided to torture and kill, they moved to Florida when he was 15. Okay. So I, I think he was building toward that end until he got 18, 19, 20 years old and the two kills that we attribute to him, the first two kills we attribute to him was 1966, Nader and Lickner. And yes, he also did share a cell with Ted Bundy, and he claimed that he killed more than Bundy. He and Bundy were uh, comparing kills. Bundy said, I killed 34. Schaefer said, I got you beat. I killed 35. God. Not the thing to brag about, but with these sickos nothing surprises me so um, there yeah. are more out there i'm sure because he went uh, unrained for years i would love to take you in that area where i did that reading party okay i would like to drive you to that area as well and see if you what you think okay. out in that area and um I may even ask because I, I know obviously the person that hosted the party I might even ask if she you know would allow us on her property come in and see what you think as well. But just I knew from the time I turned onto that road something was off, and then I did not expect that to happen during a reading, and um, obviously it stuck with me, and that's and why are. you're here. Yep, and and again. The girls will go dormant for a while and then they'll start pulling threads and start knitting a tapestry. And here we are. And I, I don't get impatient about the book or about the sales because the girls drive the train. They are the ones that say, okay, we want to be heard again. There's something going on in the universe that we need to be heard again. Deborah Lowe just celebrated, her family just celebrated a birthday that she will never see. I can't imagine. So what do you have in mind? What do you think 
when we find these girls and when we actually actually communicate with them, what do you think we really need to do that's going to help them the most? There may be an, have to be another book. We may have to put together another book. We may have to come back here and talk about them and, and put a name to the victim. Okay. You know, one thing I've learned over the years, and this is something that um, I learned from other psychic mediums, oftentimes uh, these, the spirits of these victims simply want their story told. Yes. They want a confirmation of some kind. Hey, look at me. I, I did exist at one time. I'm still I'm around. I'm relevant. Exactly. That's the perfect word for it because relevancy is lost when the killer is given more attention than the victims. And that's Excellent. what's happened here. So I believe once their story is told and there's a name put to the story, they can lay that you know literally rest in peace once and once and, the, and, for and all. the family can find a bit of yes. peace this, um robin um susan uh, uh susan's niece contacted me after i wrote the book and her father was susan's uncle this is going to make me cry and i don't cry she put her father on the phone with me and he said, Yvonne, I can't. And he was crying. He said, I cannot thank you enough for what you have done to show what a monster Schaefer was. I said, I was just the facilitator. I said, I am married to the man that started this book in motion. He was the lead investigator. Would you like to speak with him? And he said, yes, I would. I would. So he and my husband spoke for about 40 minutes and they were both in tears. But John said that that book gave him closure. And imagine this one, if it comes to fruition, finally, girls. yeah, giving them closure and the families as well would be the perfect I, I'd say, you know, just stab it right there. We're done. We finally gave them a voice. The That's eight, what I'm all about. The eight-year-old's mother that was that just, that he killed, she still lives in the same house, has the mm. same phone number, will not move, has the child's room in the same decor that it was the day she left. And when she was interviewed and asked about it, this is what she said. If I move, she won't be able to find me when she comes home. Wow. What can you say to that? There's no, there's no words. Um, now y'all see why I'm so passionate about my girls. Yeah. And, and you've, you've lit a fire beneath Vicky and I to join in this quest to, to finally give these victims a voice. Uh, Brandy states, uh, the butterfly will be waiting to lead y'all in this, and uh, wait, uh, and they deserve to be heard. They deserve peace. Agreed 100% Brandy. 
um, because as, as there, there's 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 something to be said about the killer. Granted, he's the one that took their lives, and the work has already been laid out by you, Yvonne. Uh, but now it's time to give these victims a voice. How do we do it? By utilizing what we have available to us today. Imagine the technology we have today used back then. Huh. Oh, wow. Man, how many lives would we have saved? But now we have technology that can actually help us to find out more about the victims and give them the rightful resting place, you know, to finally get their word, their story out there. Agreed? Right. And, and maybe this is why the girls have brought us together, because maybe they're saying with our combined efforts, with the technology and forensic science now, the victims that are still out there that are unknown may become known. Because and the light always comes out of the darkness. I agree. And you do have other books um, and other cases that we can talk about. Um, please, Rich, I'm going to go out and I'm just going to say we want Yvonne on again. Definitely. And we want to talk about the other victims of other crimes that you have written about. And also take this opportunity to remember anybody who is watching this podcast, contact the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Department if you have any information about the last days or hours of Susan Poole's life. She would have disappeared in 1972. She, her remains were found in 1974 and she was only positively identified last year in June of 2022. So if anyone has any information, they are working still on this case to put together whatever they can. So. Any help, any help we can get from anyone out there that has or feels they may have information, uh, please, by all means, as Vicki said, Palm Beach County, count, uh, just call them and inform them. Get and them. it's possible that her parents are dead. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. I, I, I can't even. I, I think it said in the article that her mom is like 91. See? Wow. I think she might still be living. Her sister is living. I did uh, listen to a clip on the news um, and they were talking to her sister. They were only like a year apart or something like that in age. Um, so there are definitely people uh, out there that this story is affecting. Uh, yes, still. Yeah. Well, I, I, I hate to cut this short, um, but it looks like we are, we have reached the end, uh, but this is just the beginning as well. Uh, due to this show, Yvonne, thank you so much for joining us because we've actually, Vicki and I have found um, a new mission statement and it's to help you find the voice for these victims who rightfully deserve to rest in peace. And we will be definitely having you back on the show, but we're also going to be working with you. Good. Thank you so much. It's an honor and it, it, it's humbling for someone else to understand the passion that I've always had since day one for my girls. Uh, I love the way you keep referring to them as your girls. And you know what? Rightfully so, because you've been the one that championed their cause. Uh, 
thank you for being on the show and how can people reach you if they want to talk with you and and may they may also have information that you could actually use Oh Lord! Us. All I have to do is look up Yvonne Mason on Google, but I am on Facebook under Yvonne Mason. I am the one in a formal with a camera in my hand because I'm also a photographer and an artist along with everything else. Um, they can find me on YouTube under Yvonne Mason. I have a podcast on Blog Talk Radio called Off the Chain. They can go and listen to see what else have i got i am on um me we i am on you name it i'm there okay <laughs> you just get yvonne mason on and you'll find her you'll somehow, find me. my books are on amazon so they go on amazon um all of my books are on kindle as well as is uh hard copies so just Pray about the families for the girls. Definitely. Yeah. And this is our new mission statement. So we will be in contact with you. Don't worry about that. And I'm going to be bringing a book over so you can autograph. Okay. And thank you so much, Yvonne, for being on the show. And we will be in touch. Thank you both so very much. It's our pleasure. Thank you. So look. I always end up on the big screen. <laughs> Um, great show. Amazing. Uh, it is, it's the, the coincidences that led us to this point to these two hours tonight. Yeah. We were, we were led to this and we are going to do something with this and we are going to do something for these girls. Absolutely. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, next week we will have open mic basically that means we can discuss whatever the heck we want to but i'm sure we'll find some rhyme or reason and uh join us once again next week 6 to 8 p.m eastern standard time that is our time from the now on every wednesdays and um we will be popping up on a screen near you gfb radio signing off and remember what i always say live life don't let life live you and Peace be still. And bless your heart, Rich. Oh, stop it. <laughs>